Uh, this is probably my favorite message of this whole series. This whole series is incredible and great. Um, but this is kind of where do we go from here kind of a message. How do I experience God every day in my life? Because really, the Christian life is a journey. Now, whenever I go on a journey, if Nancy and I go on a road trip, we'll talk about that a little bit, a road trip that we took. I need something to show me where I am. I need something to show me where I'm going. Hopefully, I need something to show me how to get there. And the most important part, probably, that GPS does for us is when I get lost or I get off track, I need something that's going to talk to me and get me back on track, get me back to where I was going. So to show us where to go, how to get there, where we are, and how to get back on track, that's what GPS does in our life. And honestly, in most of our lives on the Christian journey, God is like our GPS. He's our central guidance system. And he, ha- he shows us where we are. He shows us who we are. He shows us where we're going and how to get there. And most importantly, when we get off track, and we all do at times, God helps us get back on track to get us safely to where he wants us to go. So I want to focus on that today as we wrap up our Experiencing God teaching series. Because really what we've done over the last eight weeks is just the beginning of a journey together. I want you to imagine if you and I were to take a cross-country road trip together. Let's say we're going to go from Central Florida all the way to California. All the way to Oregon? No, we're going to go all the way to California. (laughs) Who wants to go to Oregon? I know you guys are moving there. I'm so sorry. It's just north, north California, right? So... We know if we were going to go to California, the West Coast, we know the general direction we've got to go. Go west, young man. Go west, right? And we would get in the car and head west. But if we wanted to get there the best way or we wanted to get there the most efficient way or maybe see the most sights along the way, experience, had the best experience along the way, we would want a GPS that could help us get there the way and give us kind of a turn-by-turn directions, step-by-step directions to show us the best, the best path to take. And then, of course, if we get off track to help us get back on track to keep us from getting lost. In the same way, this teaching series is really just the beginning of a longer journey with God. It's like if we were driving to California and you, if you live in Sanford, you know you've got to go west, but honestly, if you live here where the church is, the quickest way to get west is actually go east. Did you know that? You get on I-4 right here, and you go to Daytona, and you get on 95, and you go up to 10, and then you start heading west. Now, if you live over in Lake County, I get it. Quicker for you guys to cut through Leesburg and jump on uh, 75 to get there. We all end up going west, but I want you to picture that these eight weeks that we've been talking about experiencing God and knowing and doing the will of God, it's just the beginning of the journey. It's like we're at week number eight, and we're just on the other side of Daytona. We haven't even hit Palm Coast yet. You know, we've got a, most, of our, most of our journey with God into the future, most of our knowing and doing God's will lays way ahead of us. We're just starting down the path of knowing and doing God's will together. Most of the journey is way ahead. That's why today may be the most important part of the series because I want to talk about how can we know and do God's will and experience God day after day after day in the future. Not just today, not just during these eight weeks, but how do we 
how do we experience God for the rest of our life? And our key verse in this series has been John 15, verse 5, where Jesus says, and I've read this to you, I don't know, four or five times this series. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do what? You can do nothing. Now, Jesus doesn't say those who connect with me during a teaching series at SEC, they're going to produce much fruit. He doesn't say those who touch base with me on Sundays or tune in online every now and then. Those are the people whose lives I'm going to bless. He says, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. You've got to stay connected to me. And if you don't connect, not that you just connect with me every once in a while, but you've got to, the words he uses is remain in me. And Jesus says, if you connect with me and you remain in me, then you're going to experience my best plan for your life journey. But if you disconnect from me at any point, if you get off the path, the plan, the journey that I have prepared for you at any point, you're going to get lost. And really in the verses that come later, he says you're going to wither and you're going to die without staying connected to me. Maybe when this series began, you kind of felt a little bit distant from God. But over the last few weeks, you've begun to experience God in your life in a way that you never have before. You've seen God at work. You've, you've joined him. You've experienced kind of that crisis of belief. And you've, you've adjusted your, and taken some, some action steps by faith. Maybe God has an answer to all of your life's questions. But you've begun to see some clarity. Many people have been emailing me texted me about how God has answered some prayer and given you some clear direction over the last seven weeks. And you become, you've begun to take some of the right steps. I don't want you to lose that clarity. I don't want you to lose that closeness to God. As we close the chapter, the last chapter of our series together, I want to show you how you can gain that clarity. If you're here for the first time, I hope you'll go back and you'll listen or watch them online. Or really, we should all go back and listen and watch online to kind of refresh and get these concepts, these realities down. But I want you to know not only how to get the clarity, but keep that clarity of how to experience God. Experiencing God, reality number seven, I'd like to introduce you to and have you to write it down. I come to know God by experience as I obey him. And he accomplishes his work through me. This is the ongoing obedience. That's the key. If you want to know God's will and you want to do God's will, then obedience is the key to knowing and doing God's will as he accomplishes his work through me. Every day I can know God more and more. Every day I can experience God more and more, but it only happens if I obey him. And as I obey him, he reveals more and more of himself to me. Obedience is the key. John fourteen twenty three. Jesus says, All who love me and do what I say, my Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. This is what obedience is. Obedience is the outward expression of our love to God. Obedience is the key for us to experience God in our lives more and more. As we experience God more and more in our life, 
It's because we obey Him more and more because we love Him more and more. Our, when, we, when we started, we said our, our greatest purpose in life, the reason why God's created you, is He created you to love you and to have a relationship with you. And He wants us to learn to love Him back. So everything that we're celebrating heading up into Easter week. As we learn to love God more and more, the expression of that love is we become more and more obedient to Him. We discover something new about God as we obey Him and He reveals Himself to us. More and more of Himself. So we know His will and we know what to do. And as we obey and do God's will, He comes through for us. He's faithful we live a better life, and the key to all of that is this obedience. We know Him as we obey Him. Knowing and doing the, the will of God is not just a one-series a one kind of a thing, not just a once-in-a-lifetime kind of a thing. It's not like this eight-week series, oh, I discovered God's will for my life, and I did God's will for my life. It's an ongoing journey for the rest of our life. And sometimes you get off track, and He gets us back on track. But every day... We need to be looking for those invitations of how he's inviting us to join him in his work. And every time we hear him and every time we obey, we come to that Christ to believe, we move with faith and action, we experience him. So how do we do that? How do we make this a regular thing in our life? I'd like to give you five steps, five things to continue as we move forward. How do I experience God every day, more and more every day? Number one, if you'll jot this in. I have to continue to do the last thing that God told me to do. I continue to do the last thing that God told me to do. There are times in our lives when it feels like we haven't heard from God in a while. If we're honest, there's times in our lives where God seems to be silent. And we might not be happy with how things are going in our life. And we're saying, hey, God, you know, uh, what's going on? And when we get in those uncomfortable places of life, whether it's in our career or relationship or wherever, we start to get impatient. We start to get anxious. We question God. God, is this really what you have for my life? Is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? And we're tempted during those times to make a change. And oftentimes, any change will do. You know, anything. We're tempted to just take whatever the next opportunity is that comes along. We're tempted to go in a new direction and to stop what we've been doing. So if you and I were in a car and we were headed to California together, and we got our GPS is going, you know, it, it's up and it's rolling and, and it's, it's told... There will be times on a trip as far as California where our GPS will say, all right, get on the interstate and drive 200, 300, 400 miles. And when you're driving two, three, 400 miles down the same road, you get to the place sometimes where you start, you might look at your GPS and think, man, I haven't heard of this thing. And it, your GPS is silent because you're on track. You're going down the road. You're 200 of the 400 miles down the same interstate. And after a while, you might feel like, am, am I really still going in the same direction? Did I make a wrong turn somewhere? But the truth is, yes, you are. You're going in the same, the right direction. You have to remain faithful to the last direction that your GPS gave you, the last instructions you received. And you keep driving in that same direction, that same road, until you get a new direction 
until it kind of beep, 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 you got to turn here kind of a thing. Sometimes that happens in life. God tells you or asks you to do something, and we follow those instructions. But after a while, it feels like, hey, I've been doing this a while now, Lord, and you haven't given me any new assignments. You haven't given me any new turns. You haven't, you haven't spoken to me in a while about this. And that makes us feel a little bit discontent. That makes us feel a little anxious. We get impatient. We turn to God again, and we're like, God, I haven't heard from you in a while about my career. And um, it's not going so great right now. I'm not really happy with her. God, I haven't, I haven't heard from you in a while in my love life. And it's definitely not going very good right now. And I haven't heard from, or I haven't heard from you in a while in my marriage. And, you know, that's kind of that's a little concerning. Am I still going in the right direction? Well, the truth is you are. You are going in the right direction. But we have to remain faithful to the last instructions that we receive from God and keep going in the same direction that he told us to go when we received those, those instructions. Now, sometimes God asks us for long-term obedience in the same direction. So right now, if you haven't heard from God in a while, and you're not sure what you're supposed to be doing, you're feeling a little restless, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back, in your mind, go back and be faithful to the last thing that you know God told you to do. This is why I always say it's great to have a journal. Because if you have a spiritual journal and God speaks to you, remember, Holy speaks by the Holy Spirit through His Word, through prayer, through the church, or through um, circumstances. If you write down, you know, I feel like God's telling me to take this job, or God's telling me to move, or God's telling me to ask her to marry me, or God's telling me to, whatever it is, you write it down. When you can go back to your spiritual journal and know, I wrote it down. This is what I... You know, whatever color you highlight it in. But if you don't have a journal, you go back to what you know that God told you to do, and you keep doing that. You do that. And then wait on him to change direction or to give you another, another task. You see, I've seen so many people make this mistake. They hear from God. They act. They're obedient. They start following God down this path, down this journey. And then things start to get hard. In fact, if you follow Jesus, your Savior, if you follow God on a journey of life, I can promise you it will get hard. You will experience bumps in the road. It will start to get an incline. You're like, whoa, this is hard. And, and, and that causes us to doubt, doesn't it? It's like, well, well, this isn't easy. This isn't fun, so this must not be God's will. Because Pastor Jerry, Pastor Jerry, that TV evangelist said if I, just, if I just believe and give him a bunch of money that life will be easy from here on out. Have you figured out that life's not easy? By the way, have I mentioned you should read your Bible? Have you read about any of the followers of Christ? None of them have this really, really easy, you know, promise you a rose garden kind of a life. None of them. So we shouldn't expect just because some guy with big hair on TV says, everything's going to be fine, send me a bunch of money, and it'll all be cool. And then we wonder, why didn't that happen? Go figure. No, it's going, to, it's going to be that when we follow Jesus sometimes, I mean, at times, not just sometimes, at times, it's going to be uphill, and it's going to be difficult. And that's when we're going to feel like, well, gosh, I, I must have missed God's will, or I don't, I don't know what to do. And I've met people who, that, at that point, they abandon what God told them to do. And they do what they think's best. 
Because life is, listen, never, 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 never let circumstances nullify what you know God asked you to do. If it's God's will for you to take that job or to make that move or to, or to walk down the altar, then you keep doing that until God says something different to you. Keep doing the last thing that God told you to do until you hear from him again. And then let God work out the details. Let God work out the timing. John 14, 21, Jesus says this. By the way, this is just a little bit before that other verse that I, that I read you, which was John 14, 23. Two verses sooner, he says, To those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them and I will love them. And, here it is, reveal myself. Circle reveal myself to each of them. When we obey God and we continue to do what, we've all, what he's already shown us, God is faithful. And he's going to reveal more and more of himself to us as we continue to follow him and trust him and act in obedience. And then he's going to show us the next step. So the question is, is there an arena of your life, is there any area of your life where right now you kind of feel impatient and you're kind of uncertain? That's what I say to me. Is there an area I don't feel impatient and uncertain? Maybe it's your whole life. What's next? What do you? I really need to hear from God. Some of you really feel like I got to hear from God. Listen, if that's you, if that's where you're at, yes, pray, pray and ask God for direction. But while you're praying and asking God for direction, if God's not like giving you the answer immediately, you keep looking for God's will. What's next? But in the meantime, while you're seeking something new. You keep doing what God told you to last, what he last told you to do and do that faithfully. So the first step of experiencing God more and more every day is to continue doing what God, I know that God's always asked me to do. Here's the second, the second step. I continue to draw close to God. I continue to draw close to God. What often happens is we experience God working in our lives and we live out his will. We start obeying his will. Um, is things start going better. And maybe you get that feeling. Of, oh, man, this is great. I'm experiencing God. I'm seeing God work. And this, this is awesome. And it's easy for us to forget as human beings. I don't know why we're like this, but God, he, he says, hey, follow me. Hey, let's do this. Join me in this. And we, and we start off saying, look what God has done through me. And somewhere along that same task we switch over to look what i'm doing for god and we go from god-centered to self-centered without hardly any trying and it seems like we start real we forget who the real source of our blessing and who's the real source of our direction is and that starts to get us off track and that's why in order to experience god more and more every day we've got to draw close to him every day we've got to Get our direction straight from him every day. We never get too old to sit down and have that quiet time and hear him speak to us through the Bible, through his word, through uh, prayer, as the Holy Spirit talks, through church. So remember, experience God is not an eight-week course of church or sermon series in church. It's a lifelong journey. Now we're getting to know our creator more and more and more. And it's easy for us to forget that and to start resting in what we've learned and relying on our own strength. And we start even thinking to ourselves, I'm doing this on my own. Look, look how good I'm doing, Jerry. Look, look, look. 
it's easier, it's easier for us to stop listening and stop looking for God's voice. So I want to ask you to make that commitment, make that a, a, a lifelong commitment that I'm going to draw close to him. Not just as this series comes to a close, but every day as we move forward. The verse that we've studied several times since the pandemic, uh, we went all the way through James verse by verse, and then a couple other times I've brought this verse to you to study um, in the last two years, is James 4.8, which says, Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. How do you do that? How, how do we continue to pull close to God so that we can hear his voice? Well, first you start with the steps that we've already challenged you with in this series the last seven weeks. And as I said, if you... If you've already forgotten them or you missed a few weeks or you're just now jumping in, you can go back online, download those to your device, to your phone, and listen to them while you're working out. Or you can watch them for a devotion, kind of review those, those concepts until they really take, take root. Decide to keep doing those things that you've been doing as you move forward. Some of you have been very consistent in attending church over the last eight weeks. Experience of God has been one of those things where I'm not going to miss that one. I'm not gonna, or you've tuned in on any time that you've missed. But here's what I know happens when summertime rolls around. School, kids get out of school, summertime rolls around, and life gets hectic, right? I mean, these kids, uh, you know, you're, you're, like, you're like, oh, yeah, this was what it was like when they sent them all home that spring break, and they never took them back to school. I remember this all of a sudden. And two weeks into, two weeks into summer, life is crazy, and you've got vacations planned, and you've got all these summer camps, and everybody's sleeping in, so no quiet time. We slept in, and the next thing you know, Listen, I want you to commit to not just not just coming to church regularly, not even even through the rest of the summer, but really through the whole rest of the year and on into next year. By the way, we're starting a brand new series next week called At the Cross. Easter Sunday, we're going to start talk about the cross. It's at the cross, an eyewitness account. And we're going to look at the crucifixion of Christ through the eyes of the people who were there at the cross on that day. You know, the thief on the cross, Mary Magdalene. The Roman soldier who was there, Mary, the mother of Jesus, just a short four-week series to make a commitment. You know what? I'm, I'm going to be here through that ser- series because I'm going to keep this habit going of drawing close to God. If you want to experience God more and more, you've got to continue to do the last thing that he asked me to do, and I've got to continue to draw close to God. Here's the next step, the third thing I want you to draw to write down to experience God more and more every day. I've got to continue to look for God working around me. Continue to look for God working around me. Our human tendency is to get comfortable with where we are right now. We experience success and then we sort of settle down. We rest in it. You know, our shepherd leads us beside still water. He leads us to the green pasture. And we just kind of plop down and go, this is heaven. And no, you're not in heaven. This is still earth, and at some point, I mean, enjoy it while it lasts, but at some point, Jesus is going to say, let's go. Let's get up and go. And I have to admit that I'm not excited to get up and go. Because just because you're where you're supposed to be and you're doing God's will doesn't mean you should stop looking at where he's working around you or stop listening. As long as you're alive on this earth, God has a mission and a plan and a purpose for you. We had some over 80-year-olds in our first service. I don't know if any of you are over 80. But if you're over 80 years old, God still has a plan and a purpose for you. You're not done yet. Because sometimes that's what people feel. They're like, well, I retired or, 
you know, I finally resigned from my post wherever I was serving, and you feel like, I can just kind of coast now. You know, I'm, I'm at the finish line. Let me let you know something. You know where the finish line is in the, in the Christian life? Is that big pearly gate thing, okay? If you're this side of the pearly gate, and most of you are, all of you are, okay. If you're this side of the pearly gate, God's not done with you yet. Turn to the person on both sides of you and say, God's not done with you. God is not done with you. Okay, John 15:17, your savior, I'm sorry, John 5:17, your savior says, "My father is always working and so am I." Just underline or circle those two words, always working. In the days and the weeks and the months ahead, even if you're 80 something, God is at work and you know, he's always at work. And he has new assignments and new opportunities for you to know him, to know his will, and to do his will. So don't let the end of this series be the end of you looking for where is God at work around me. Don't get comfortable because you feel like, man, this is the pasture I want to just, this is the the stream I want to just stay at. Because God's going to come up and say, all right, let's go. Jesus could say, follow me. I'm your great good shepherd. Let's go. You're like, but Lord, we want to stay here. And Jesus said, no, we're, we're climbing that rocky mountain right there. And everybody's going, but I don't want to go. Okay, this, this is heaven. And Jesus is like, this isn't heaven. Follow me. And if you'll keep your eyes open, no matter how old you are, no matter how comfortable you are, you'll see that God's about to do something new in your life. God is always doing something new. Don't take my word for it. Take his word. In Isaiah 43, the Lord says this, For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you see it? How emphatically he's saying it. Do you see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wastelands. There's always something new from God. Every day there's something new. And I hope you can see it. I hope you see it right now. And if you don't see where he's at work right now, you don't know what that is, it's coming. You keep doing what God told you to do. You keep focusing on drawing close to him. And you keep alert. Watch for where is he at work. Where is he inviting me? And as you move forward, don't forget, there's always going to be roadblocks that you're going to run into. Maybe this is the same roadblock that trips you up over and over and over again. Here's the next step about roadblocks. Number four, I continue to avoid the roadblocks to God's will. Continue to avoid the roadblocks to God's will. Make no mistake, if you follow God, there are going to be roadblocks that try to keep you from knowing and doing God's will. There's going to be resistances. The moment you say, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, you're going to feel like there's a resistance happening. Now think about it. If you and I were on this mythical trip to California together, if we're on that trip, there would obviously we would encounter some obstacles along the way. Hopefully our GPS would help us to avoid the areas where there's traffic jams, where there's construction, where there's a wreck ahead, where there's a roadblock. And, and our GPS would give us a detour, turn here, and you're like, but that's not the way we were going. But our, our active central planning GPS system is going to say, but I've got to move you over here so that we can get to where we're going and we don't get all hung up in this big delay or this big problem. The same is true as you follow God through life. There are roadblocks to following God's will and doing his will. They come in all shapes and sizes. I'm just going to give you four of the big ones. 
The first one I want you to write down is the word opportunity. Opportunity can be a roadblock to God's will. Now, I know it never seems like it's a roadblock because this is a tricky one. We almost always see opportunities as God opening a door for us. And we crash right through. But the truth is, Satan, our enemy, he can open up doors as well. Just because there's an opportunity to go through a door doesn't mean it's God's best plan or that it's his will. Always filter through these opportunities and say, does this align up with God's word? I'm going to pray about it. Maybe I'm going to go talk to one of my Christian mentors and ask them what they think about it. I'm going to listen in a sermon for God to speak. Filter it through prayer. Filter it through godly friends. Get their advice. Because sometimes detours are actually, opportunities are detours off of God's path. And they keep you from God's best. And sometimes the devil gives you his best before God gives you God's best. I got great advice when I was a high school senior from my youth pastor, a guy named Chris Ritchie. I went over to Chris because I was wrestling with this decision. This Actually, it was, a, it was an opportunity that had, come, that had come up. I had served with Congressman Bill McCollum up as an intern up in Washington as a junior in high school for a few weeks. And then as a senior in high school, his chief of staff approached me and said that the congressman was looking for people to appoint to the military academy, specifically Annapolis. Um, and this, this seemed like a great opportunity. Now, God had already called me into ministry. I already knew I was going to be a pastor. But they said, well, you could be a chaplain in the Navy. And, and I had a good friend of mine, a mentor of mine, Reverend Boyer, who was um, a, a captain in the Navy Reserve, and he was a chaplain. And I was talking to him and talking to um, Congressman Cullum's chief of staff, and they were talking about this appointment. So sounds like, you know, I can go to Stetson or I can go to Annapolis and Stetson. And everybody's going, well, are you kidding me? This opportunity is just, you know, it doesn't come to everybody. But I never wanted to be in the military. And by the way, if you look at me now, you know, yeah, you'd have never made it in the military. Right? That's no secret to anybody today. Back then I looked like I could have made it. And, um, but it's one of those things that I didn't have a lifelong dream for. It wasn't something that I really wanted. I, in fact, I, I was approaching it going, okay, so how long do I have to serve? I'll go get this four-year incredible degree. I only have to serve for five years. I'll get, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the other opportunity is, I, you know, I felt like God was heading me over here with ministerial aid and everything else to go to, to Stetson. And I said to Chris, what should I do? And he looks at me and he said, well, Jerry, he says, often, this is my youth pastor, He says, often, God, his plan, his best plan, often comes after Satan offers us his best plan. Now, I'm not saying that that's that's the case for anybody praying about going to Annapolis, but for me, that gave me clarity at that moment. And I'm like, yeah, who cares about what everybody thinks of what the offer is? What I need to focus on is what does God want me to do? Gave me an opportunity would have been a roadblock to me. I wouldn't have started this church. I started this church at 26 years old. I would have still been five years doing my, doing my tour somewhere long before that. All right, there's, there's several others. Let me hit these real quick. Busyness. Busyness can crowd out God's will. It can be a roadblock in our life. It could be busy, and this was a great thing. You have a business, and it's like, oh, man, our, our business is going good. You know, ding, 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 all these Internet, you know, sales are coming in. And now, now it's like I went from I own the business to the business owns me. You ever feel like that? 
And you're so busy now, you don't have time for God or church or, or a small group. Why? Because, because things are going so great over here. It's like uh, the, Jesus talks in the, the, the parable of the four soils. He says, the cares of the world crowd out the word of God in our life. That's the, the, the seed that hits the thorny soil. Then there's the word success. Write that down. This is another roadblock, success. How is success a roadblock? Well, I'm successful. I followed God's will. I discovered what God wanted me to do. Whew, this has been awesome. And then when he has, says, let's go take that mountain, we're like, Lord, I don't want to adjust. I, don't, I mean, things have just gotten good. I mean, come on. You know, I, I finally, I'm finally enjoying the fruits of my you know, fruitfulness. And when I'm successful, sometimes I stop listening to God. Sometimes I stop looking for where he's at work. Sometimes I stop growing close to him. And we experience success, and success can turn into an obstacle. The last one is probably the biggest one. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because I talked about it last week. It's already up there. We trick you by putting it up there early so you fill it in. Sin. We talked about this, that sin is choosing my will over God's will. And we all do this. We all mess up. When we stop listening for God, to God, and we're like, you know what? Here's what it is. Sin is like God is, he's our GPS. He's saying, let's go here. And at some point we're going, whoa, 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 whoa. I think that's a shortcut. Let me take that. All the men in the room, we all love shortcuts, even though we have the scars to prove it. We're tempted to go down that. I, I know a better way, Lord. I know a quicker way, a shortcut. And whenever we take a shortcut, we always get lost. Whenever we take a shortcut, we always get off of God's path. And it keeps us from living the life that God created us to live. And sometimes I feel like sin, what sin does is sin is like interference with our GPS. Have you ever been somewhere that doesn't have a cell tower? And you, your GPS is suspect anyway. Now it's like, whoa, hey, what's going on, right? So Nancy and I, last summer we were in Montana. We went to Montana to visit our great friends of Spans. They already listened to the first service, so I can use their name this time. And um, we, went into, we went into Glacier National Park. We went in the one end and went all the way to the other end. And it was the scariest day of my life. I prayed on the side of a mountain in all this fog for over 30 minutes before it got bad. And as we get out of there, it's nighttime. And there's only like, if you've ever been to Montana, there's like five cell towers in the whole state of Montana. Okay, biggest state you can see, they, have, they share five cell towers. Okay, and it's like, it's like we're coming out of the east side of Glacier, and we have, I know, because I had looked at the, I had looked at the GPS, and the GPS was, was sending us to a town way over there called like Browning, and then way back over here. But I had no GPS at the time. I don't know how long it's going to take or any of that. Because my GPS, you know, some kind of interference or lack of signal um, was costing me. And, and I had a map. You'll have to explain to teenagers what a map is. A map is a paper GPS that doesn't change. And it wasn't even a real map. It was like a, a Department of Forestry map. It was like, you know, National Parks map. So it's like a drawing of a map. And it has like this one-inch road from here to to the road back to West Glacier is only about one inch. And, and to go the way I know that the GPS would have sent us is like 
five or six inches that way and five or six inches back. That's like 10 or 11 inches on the map, and who knows what the scale is. And it's just this one little inch. So we took that one little inch road, 49, and we really drove past it. And Nancy would say, well, maybe God was trying to get us to drive past it. I said, no, no, no. I turn around and do a U-turn. And the way Nancy describes it, it's like on Beauty and the Beast when the horse doesn't want to go down the scary road, the scary path with all the, all the evil-looking trees. It looked like that. But no, we went anyway because I knew a shortcut because it was only an inch. And, man, I drive five inches there and five inches back. I don't know how long that is. And I don't know. I'm spin, spin, spin. So we get on this road that no human being should ever drive on. And that would have taken us probably 30 minutes to drive, 15 minutes that way, 15 minutes back. So one inch, this should only take us, what, an hour and a half. Yeah, three times as long in time. Why? Because there's no road there. You're on the side of a mountain with, like, wheels hanging off. No guardrails. Why would you put a guardrail on that road? They know there's no Floridians up here. They're all at the bottom of the ravine. Scariest drive, scariest day of my life behind the wheel was that whole day. Eventually, God did get us back. But, I mean, it was so bad, okay, uh, just, I shouldn't tell the story, but you're going to hear it from the first service, so I might as well confess. So, I did not say the words that my cell phone said I said, okay? We're in the middle of this tense moment, and Joanne Spaulding is texting me about something here at church, and I'm like, I can't talk right now. And, and my watch, which texts, it had a signal. But what it sent was not what I said. I did, I did not say the F word. <laughs> but there are screenshots of Pastor Jerry. I can't run for office because of this. But Nancy will attest, and she'd tell on me if it was true. Um, I did not say what my, what, what my, but I think, I think my watch could, it could, it could feel the tension in the room, you know. My watch is saying, no, what he really means. <laughs> here's what I, here's my point, because there is a spiritual point to this. Sin is always a barrier between us and God. So what, what I, what do I do? I'm trying to experience God every day. What do I do when sin is a roadblock? It gets me, it interferes with God's direction in my life. What do I do when I'm stuck on road 49 and, I, and I've gotten myself in such terrible, terrible shape? What do I do? Here's what you do. I confess my sin to God. I confess my sin to God. I turn back to God. He's faithful and just, this, this is this verse, 1 John 1, 9. But if we confess our sin to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all wickedness and get us back on track. I added that. The truth is we're all human. We all mess up, and that's okay. If we were driving from Central Florida to California, we would more than likely hit at least one, probably more than one detour. We would hit several roadblocks. And we might even get off, off path, off, the, off course. And if that happens, when you're on a trip and you get off course, is that the end of the journey? Do you just stay there? Do you just get out of the car on the edge of the mountain on 49 and say, Lord, I'm just staying here until Jesus comes back? No, that's the last place. You know, people... People used to say to me, like, I felt like I was driving, you know, it was like I was dri driving through hell. I said, well, don't stop. 
Keep going. Right? That's not the time to stop. You don't give up. And you know, here's what happens. GPS is cool. Once the signal's clear, recalculate, recalculate, recalculate. Now it says, I'm going to get you there. We're not going the same way because you've really messed this up. But we can get you there anyway if you follow me, and I'll get you safely to your destination. That's how God is with us. All right, I've got to finish this last one. Anything else that I... Okay, remember, do the last thing God told me to do. Draw close to him. Stop, don't stop looking for God around me. Avoid these roadblocks that are in my path. And number five, I continue to trust that God will provide all I need. You need to trust that God will provide all I need. One of the ways we're going to experience in God, experience God, is when we get overwhelmed, when we get sad, when we get when we fall apart, when we get um, when we get to the end of ourselves, and we're so out of resources, we're emotionally bankrupt, we're scared. In those times when we feel weak and overwhelmed, if we turn to God during those times, whenever we're in need, if we decide, you know what, I'm going to put my trust in you, God, he comes through for us. He's faithful. And we learn something new each and every time that he does that. We experience God as we obey him, trust him, and he accomplishes his work through us. And it deepens our faith in God. Maybe you lose someone close to you. Just did a funeral here on Friday. Lost a mom. Maybe you lose someone close to you. Or a relationship that was very important to you is broken. And you're grieving. I mean, you're, you're crushed. You're hurting. But God comes to you as the comforter. It says, God is close to the brokenhearted. That's my favorite verse in Psalm. Psalm 34, 18. And when God comes to you as a comforter and he comforts you and gives you the peace that passes all understanding, you experience God as the God, my comforter. Or maybe you're worried and you don't have enough money. You don't have, you're worried about making, I mean, gas is $4 a gallon. You spend all your rent money on gasoline just to get to work. That's what started the last recession, by the way. And, and you feel like, I don't have enough for rent, or I don't have enough for my mortgage payment, or I don't have enough for, I just don't have enough resources. And, and you are overwhelmed, and all the pressure is on you. But when you finally say, God, I'm not going to worry about this. I'm going to trust you to meet my needs. I'm going to obey and trust you. And then when God meets those needs, he comes to you, and, he, and you're like, oh, my goodness, how did, you, how did God do this? You will experience God as your Jehovah Jireh, God my provider. And your faith will deepen during those times. Or maybe you're facing a health problem, and you've got this challenge, and they've told you you've got cancer. They've told you you've got uh, a heart situation, or you've got some other kind of, kind of thing going on. And it's out of your control, and you feel helpless to help, to help you or to help your loved one. And when you finally get to the place, you say, okay, God, I can't, I can't handle this anymore. I'm going to trust you with my health or with her health or with my kid's health or whatever it is. And God comes, and he heals them, and you experience God as Jehovah Rapha, my healer. God, when he meets our needs, when we trust him, we experience him, and that grows our faith. The greatest moments of spiritual breakthrough in your life come when you decide to trust God at a time when you have a great, great need, when you're overwhelmed. And that's when you learn more about the love of God than any other time, more about his character than in any other time. Philippians 4.19 is the promise. Paul writes and says, And the same God who takes care of me, Paul, says, will supply all your needs 
from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. God will supply all your needs because where God guides, God provides. Do you believe that? If God, if God guides you in a direction, come follow me. We're taking this trip together. He will provide all that you need. Now look, life is a journey. And if you want, you can take this journey all by yourself. You can take it on, on your own. You can try to figure out the path on your own. God gives you that free will. You don't, have to, you don't have to have him be your GPS or your central guidance system. You can say, no, 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 I'm going to do it myself. I'll, I'll work my way around the obstacles and the roadblocks on my own. By the way, that's how most people live their lives. The vast majority of people live their lives getting lost, getting off track, getting frustrated, cursing at the world around them. Or you could do that, or you could get a GPS. You could get a central guidance system, and learn to listen to God's voice, follow where he's guiding you, follow his instructions, steer clear of all those roadblocks, and trust that God's going to get you where you need to go. Maybe you've spent your whole life doing it on your own, and you realize, look what a mess. You know, I've been down a lot of road 49s, Jerry, and it's left me stressed out and, and exhausted. Or maybe you felt like you got to provide all your needs. Maybe you've even done a decent job, but you're mostly bankrupt. You feel empty and lost. So today, maybe for the first time, is the time you need to say, you know, for the first time, you may need to say, God, I'm going to stop trusting in myself. And I want to start learning how to trust in you. And relinquish the control of your trip, of your journey to God. Say, Jesus, take the wheel, please. And give him your hurts. And give him your burdens. And give him your worries. And give him all the stuff that's weighing you down. And let your Heavenly Father be your central guidance system. That's what he wants to do. Would you join me in prayer? Bow your heads. As you think about your life, as you think about where you are, as you think about moving forward on this journey, what do you need to say to God? What does your prayer need to be? Maybe you're here today right now and... You don't have a relationship with God, and God's not your central guidance system. He's not your GPS. You've been living on your own apart from God. Today, maybe the prayer you need to pray is a prayer of salvation. And ask God to come into your life. And ask Him to be your Heavenly Father. Ask Him to lead you and to direct you. Because God created you. He loves you. Just like that verse Jennifer read from John 3, 16, he loves you so much he sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay for your sins. If you'll put your faith in him, you'll have eternal life. God has a purpose for you, a plan for your life. He's not done with you. As long as you live apart from him, you'll never experience his purpose and his plan. So maybe right now in your heart, you just pray and say, God... It's me. Please come into my life. I want you to be my leader. I believe that you sent Jesus and he died for my sins. And now I want to follow you. And God will come into your life. He will give you a purpose. He'll give you a plan. He'll forgive you and he'll give you a home in heaven. Heavenly Father, I thank you for everyone who is here or listening online. And I pray that we will all learn to know and do your will. That we will learn to know you and to love you. Not just today, but God, help us to continue to look for you. 
at work in our lives and to experience you every day for the rest of our life. And God, help our relationships to grow deeper and stronger with you as we see you active in our life, as we obey you and experience you. Help our love for you to grow. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The next day, the great crowd that had gathered heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. This crowd praised him. They celebrated his miracles and with great expectation told everyone about him. But they did not know him. They were waiting for someone who would rule with strength and might. But he came as a humble servant. They wanted him to finally bring their people glory. But he wanted to change them so their lives would bring God glory. They were expecting a general who would crush their enemies. But he came saying, love your enemies. They thought he could offer them deliverance from their oppressors. But he came offering deliverance from sin. This crowd would soon realize that Jesus wasn't going to be what they wanted. And they turned on him before they ever realized he was what they needed. So as they yelled, crucify, Pilate asked Jesus, are you a king? Jesus answered, I am not that kind of king. His kingdom isn't what you see here. It won't be established by chaos and war. His kingdom is in our hearts. His kingdom is truth. His kingdom is goodness. His kingdom is righteousness. He is the humble king, the king of healing, the king of forgiveness, the king of love. Today, we lift our voices. We cry, Hosanna, save us. Save us from our sin. Come dwell in our hearts. Hosanna, we worship you. Jesus Christ, our King.